0: And welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the normal, everyday rhythms of life. And today I've got two of my pastoral residents with me. I've got Bryson Amix. How's it going? And I've got Kevin Noah. Hey guys. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about a fascinating article. On Desiring God, written by Joe Rigney, and Joe Rigney really is becoming one of my uh, favorite authors. Um, actually, we talked about pornography in that book that Joe Rigney wrote, and now we're talking about something else Joe Rigney wrote, and this is called an article that we'll link to in the show notes, and <clears throat> it's called The Enticing Sin of Empathy, The Enticing Sin of Empathy. And the article itself was written in the style of um, uh, what's the Lewis book? Screw tape letters. <clears throat> right, the screw tape letters. Okay. Where, if you know anything about screw tape letters, basically, it's a book <laughs> written by C. S. Lewis, but the narrator in the or basically the book is like a senior demon writing to his little minions on how to tempt Christians mm-hmm. to sin, tempt them away from the enemy, which would be Jesus or, or God. And it's a fun book. It's an insightful book. It's, uh, I love it. I've read it two or three times. I've got it even on audiobook and just enjoy it. Well, he writes this article in the same, uh, in the same way, <clears throat> talking, um, writing to Wormwood, the demon, but and he's, it's just kind of like an, a new chapter in that book. But the whole thing is, how many of us have ever thought about the sin of empathy? When you guys first saw that, what did you think?
1: I was thinking, uh uh-oh, because my uh, uh, undergrad degree was in psychology, and so there's a big push um, on empathy, on understanding feelings and all that. Figured I was in trouble.
0: Yeah, what did you think of when you saw the sin of empathy? Uh,
2: I have to always try and remind myself on the difference between sympathy and empathy. So, uh, yeah, to me, I was confused. I'm like, okay, what is empathy? What is sympathy?
0: Right. So I don't even remember what it was, but probably a year or so maybe or more, Mm -hmm. I preached, I had a a little segment in one of my sermons um, on the difference between uh, sympathy and empathy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just drawing some, Uh, attention to some things because the the word empathy is not in the Bible. Um, And what he's drawing, let me just quote from the article. He's, this demon is trying to get his minions to pull people away from sympathy and compassion and towards empathy. And empathy, they're saying here that empathy is a sin. Okay, now um, let's, let me, let's read, Let's read what he writes. This is this. First off, he says, um, he's talking about when we're suffering. He says, people, when they're suffering, tend to make two demands that are impossible to fulfill simultaneously. On the one hand, they want people to notice the depth of their pain and sorrow, how deep they are in the pit, how unique and tragic their circumstances At the same time, they don't want to be made to feel that they really need the assistance of others. In one breath, they say, help me. Can't you see I'm suffering? And the next they say, how dare you act as though I needed you and your help? The sufferer doesn't want to be alone and demands not to be pitied. This makes their emotional turmoil and suffering not only delicious to our taste, but also highly combustible. Mm and unpredictable. So now listen to this next paragraph. Sufferers have been placing such impossible demands on others from time immemorial. In response, our armies have fought for decades to twist the enemy's virtue of compassion into its counterfeit, empathy. Okay, so Rigney's showing here that empathy is not synonymous with compassion. Mm-hmm. Empathy is not synonymous with even sympathy. He's saying empathy is the counterfeit compassion, okay? Let's, let's, here's, what, here's how he defines it. Compassion only suffers with another person. That's what compassion means, mm-hmm. suffer with, mm-hmm. literally. Empathy suffers in them, it's a total immersion into the pain, sorrow, and suffering of the afflicted. Under The demon says this, under our influence, we've taught the humans to think only a heartless and unfeeling beast could oppose such a total immersion, such a generous act of love. Our recent success in this conceptual migration has given us ample opportunity for mayhem. So he's just saying we've caused a lot of crazy with this, getting people to so empathize with others' pain that they're actually suffering in the other person. They're not Mm. suffering with the other person like um, compassion does. So here's the idea. Compassion suffers with the hurting while maintaining an allegiance to truth, Mm. while maintains an allegiance to Jesus, okay? Okay. It, it actually suffers with the hurting because of our, our being united to Jesus, mm-hmm. okay? Um, just like Jesus did. So we suffer with people, but we won't sin with people, mm-hmm. right? We suffer with people, yet we hold on to the truth. We suffer with people, yet we hold on to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we maintain that grip, okay? <clears> okay. <throat> Empathy just suffers in someone and kind of lets go of the truth. Mm. In an illustration he uses in the book or in the article, compassion, if they see somebody sinking in in quicksand, Mm. compassion grabs a hold of something sturdy and then puts one foot in the quicksand while one foot on the solid ground and reaches out their hand and willing to suffer with that person and and do everything they can to get that person up on shore. Mm -hmm. Empathy (coughs) jumps into the quicksand with them. It's a full immersion into their experience. It's a full immersion into their feelings. It's a full immersion into feeling what they feel. Mm -hmm. And empathy demands nothing less. says this, empathy shifts the focus from the sufferer's good to the sufferer's feelings, mm-hmm. making them the measure of whether a person is truly loved. So it's not about doing loving things and seeking that person's good. The end result is actually that the person just, quote unquote, feel loved. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> honestly, our, uh, I don't know what it's going to take to make you feel loved, but it that could very easily be you're asking me to sin. You're asking me to abandon my values. You're asking me to abandon Jesus Christ. So
2: in, the, in the, the main place where our sufferings are kind of brought to our community is in our missional community, right? So what does it look like to fall into empathy in missional community when someone's sharing their sufferings?
0: Yeah, well, well honestly, before I would do that, <clears throat> I would pull out, Thirty thousand feet, and I think the, the one of the biggest dangers first is cult is cultural. It's culture wide. Okay, so right now there is a big culture wide push. Um, in support of either we could just call it trans. Or transgender, or um, the fluidity of gender, mm-hmm. right? And there's a couple things going on. There's 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 the culture that's trying that's basically saying <clears throat> you must throw away all categories of male female. You must throw all of that away. If you don't, like literally jump in this quicksand mm-hmm. with us if you say your if you say the historic pronouns that are used then you are committing harm against a person so a woman or a, 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 a <laughs> this is so hard for me to talk like this okay a person born female if she believes in her mind that she is a man and i were to call her her I would be committing harm. Mm -hmm. So therefore, what what this is doing now is weaponizing my compassion. It's weaponizing my compassion. And it's saying, you want to be loving, right? You want to be kind, right? You want to empathize, right? Well, if you do, this is what that means. You have to accept my gender pronouns and you have to use my gender pronouns. Which Oh, honestly, it kind of ruins the human language. Mm-hmm. It's, it becomes very confusing and very difficult to, to even talk to people. We walk up, and if a person looks like a girl, we say, hey, ma'am, can I get this from you? Or looks like a man, we say, sir, can I get this from you? And, mm-hmm. and 99.9% of the time, those judgments are correct. To live in a world where I have to go up to somebody and say, um, excuse me, uh, person of interest... What is your gender? What is your gender pronoun that you'd like me to use? <clears throat> it's 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 chaos, right? And that's what that's what Wormwood is do, is trying to do in here. It's trying to enter chaos. Now here's where it gets really um, difficult. <clears throat> if I'm okay, so gender dysphoria is a real thing. Uh, people are born um, with male and female genitalia. It's a result of the fall, just like people are born with one arm and people are born with just, you know, hearts that don't work right. They're born with sexual parts that don't work right. And so, gender dysphoria, excuse me, is a real thing and we need to be aware of it. But that's a physical condition. What we're now talking about, and there's even gender dysphoria that is a result of lifelong, um, discongruence, or is that the right word? Discongruence between my bodily gender and what I feel like I am. Mm. Okay. Again, that's my feelings. And it's a gender dysphoria is basically when I was, let's say I'm born a man, but ever since a kid, I felt like a girl. Now here's the deal. I think it's something like 80% of all people, that are gender dysphoria, have gender dysphoria, grow out of it through puberty, okay? Mm. And so the problem is if I have a friend, let's just say I'm a 12-year-old and I have a 12-year-old friend and she believes in her heart, in her mind, in her soul, whatever, that she's a man, she's a boy, okay? Empathy tells me to jump in the quicksand with her. okay that could be a genuine con- condition. Mm. She could be gender confused. She might I mean there's all kinds of um, I hate to use the word causes for this because there there is we can't no one science has not put a finger on the cause. There is nothing biological that they can find. There is tons of things going on in the home that are similar in different situations, but there's no, no one thing that can you can pinpoint and say this is why people, struggle struggle with either transgenderism or gender dysphoria, okay? So, my friendship with her is in, is in trouble here because she's dealing with a real situation that she probably doesn't want, mm-hmm. right? She hasn't welcomed this. This isn't something that she's quote unquote choosing. This is just how she's felt from birth. Mm-hmm. Well, my biblical theology would tell me, okay, that could be a result of the fall. That could just be a result of the curse. And so I get that. There's, there, We, we, we want to sin in all kinds of different ways that mm-hmm. aren't good for us. But here's what happens. Because I'm a 12-year-old Christian, I'm also compassionate. I want to win the lost. I want people that are hurting and broken and far from Jesus come to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a bigot. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be a legalist. I don't want to be mean. Right, And so what this this puts me in a quandary Mm -hmm. and what our culture is doing is throwing off compassion that loves a person, suffers with a person and instead goes to empathy which immediately goes this, says this you can be whoever you want to be. You want to be a boy? I'll call you. I'll call you him, her. I'll call you him or his. Or I'll use all of your pronouns. I'm, nev, I'm not going to say anything to cross your will on that. I'm not going to say anything challenging. I'm not going to point you to the truths of Scripture. I'm not going to do anything that would cause you to feel like you're like I'm harming you, mm-hmm. right? And what that's and then what that can do is kind of um, re- solidify her false identity because mm. now you can go online and you can find all kinds of things about transgender and it's, it's, I hate to say it like this, but it's, it's in vogue now. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool to be transgender now. And so the sin of empathy is jumping in that and not keeping emotional difference, not be able to be emotional, emotionally differentiated. Mm not being able to hold on to Jesus while reaching out and caring for someone, not being able to hold on to the truth without, with, you know, without, um, l- without losing the truth, yeah. right? And so that's what he's kind of, that's one way that, that I'm seeing it in our, in our culture, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but, but it's much of this has entered even in the race, the race debate that's going on, mm. that you can't question anything if someone feels like they've been, um, if, if somebody feels like somebody's racism, racist, then they are. Mm. It, it's a it's on a lot of different things that I'm that I'm seeing in our world. And it's just something that I haven't really spent too much time thinking about. And I think Rigney is on to something here. <clears throat> and what's interesting to me is compassion, and I, I really see this going on the this, this card getting played on the left mm. politically, uh, the Democrats and those on the left, um, those in a lot in higher education, a lot of stuff going on in our, in our society today. They're, what they're doing is they're weaponizing Christian compassion mm. against us in the form of empathy, okay? Here's what I mean by that. <clears throat> if you study civilization... Basically, this is, this is a huge generalization, but as you study civilization, no one cared about the poor until the Jewish people, hmm. okay? Because God said he cares about the poor. God said he cares about injustice. God says he cares about the father. Or he cares about the widow. Mm-hmm. And he says, since I care, for, care about them, you must care about them. Mm-hmm. So Israel set up all kind of legal codes to take care of those who are less fortunate, right? Yep. Well, that gets expanded. That gets expanded upon in Jesus. Jesus comes as a poor, a poor person, right? With a, basically a, a, a single mother, you know, mm-hmm. born of a single mother. His father, you know, Joseph dies relatively young. It sounds like, and um, and Jesus cares for the poor, right? And so his he's got that upside down kingdom, kingdom, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. On and on and on he goes. Mm-hmm. And so, so one of The virtues of Christianity amongst all the world religions was our care for the poor. Mm -hmm. First century, this is what made us unique in the Roman world. Roman Empire hated the poor. Um, Abortion and infanticide was commonplace. And Christians would take those babies. Christians said, that's a sin. Christians said, don't do that. Um, And so they had care for the outsider. They had mm-hmm. care for the broken. They had, And so, okay, so this is, I'm going to say this, this is our thing. This is our virtue. And yet, that virtue stems from our connection to Jesus. So Jesus tells us what compassion looks like. Jesus tells us what it looks like to help the poor, okay? Um, what it looks like to help the suffering, what it looks like. And Jesus does that but never hands himself over mm. to people mm-hmm. he never loses his feelings he never loses his grip on reality he never sins in response of his care for the poor okay so jesus shows us what compassion looks like and sometimes jesus said some hard things right sometimes jesus did some things that were very challenging but what i'm seeing going on in our society is our culture has looked into Christianity and said, ooh, I like that, Mm -hmm. care for the poor thing. And they've pulled that out, renamed it as empathy, and divorced it from God, divorced it from Jesus, divorced it from truth. And now what's being asked of us, we cannot comply with. But here's the danger, and especially if you're parents, here's the danger. Your kids, if they have that softness of spirit, if they have that compassion in them, if they have that sympathy in them for the poor and for the lost and for the broken, that impulse is being weaponized by the enemy of our soul to give up on truth, to give up on Jesus, and to go headlong into supporting gender-bending stuff that's going on right now, homosexuality, homosexual marriage, transgenderism, um, abortion, on and on and on, down, the, down mm-hmm. the list you go. And so, Rigney here is naming that. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. He's putting his finger on something and saying, let's call that the sin of empathy. Mm-hmm. Because empathy is never used in the
1: Bible. It actually... Um- <clears throat> I looked into it, and it didn't become a word until 1909, or an English word, rather. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: That's fascinating.
1: So, would you say then that empathy is kind of like um, you find your identity in empathy, versus if you have compassion that comes from your identity in Christ?
0: I think so. I think so. It's just over. I don't want to say it's over. It's it's. It's like if you, if you walk up to someone and you see their hair on fire mm-hmm. and instead of saying, whoa, your hair's on fire and you run and you get water and you come and you douse them with water and they look at you and they're like, what? You just so- got me soaking wet, right? Yeah. It, seems, it seems absurd, okay? But it, that's kind of a, you know, you just tackled that person and poured water on them and you did some hard things, but that was actually loving, yeah. right? What empathy does is they see somebody's hair on fire and they walk up to them and put their head in the flames and they light their hair, head on fire and they just start screaming, ah, this is terrible, this is <coughs> terrible. And it, it, it's not suffering with someone to pull them through. Mm-hmm. It's just literally suffering in them or suffering suffering with them without any, you know, mm-hmm. groundedness in reality. Yeah. Or, or the ability to, to, to pull them out. <clears throat>
1: um, so we talk a lot about um, redeeming the culture, mm-hmm. taking what can be redeemed um, and discarding everything else. So is there anything redeemable about empathy, or is it just turned back to compassion?
0: Um, <clears throat> well, Jesus sympathizes mm-hmm. with us, right? Right. But he doesn't empathize with us, so I, I want to be generous and say most people think empathy and sympathy are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, could you look up the, the definitions but of those two and see what differences they actually what dif- differences they actually are?
1: Absolutely.
0: Because Jesus sympathizes with us, and so he knows what it feels like to be us. He knows what it's like to suffer. Yet he didn't sin, and that's how we should have compassion and s- sympathy for others. Mm-hmm. but And so most people think empathy and sympathy are the same. And so when they say empathy, I'm not going to smack their wrist and say, don't do that, that's a bad word. But we do need to be aware of it, and we need to parse these words and parse our meanings because it that can be a slippery slope mm-hmm. that literally pulls us into abandon the truth. Yeah. Here's another example that I had uh, within the last couple of years. Someone comes in and tells me, that they now disagree with the Bible's teaching that only men should be elders. And I said, well, why? And they said, because we have girls. And I said, okay, you having girls has nothing to do with what the Bible teaches about elders. Well, we, don't, we, want our, we believe that our girls can be whatever they want to be. We're not putting any limits on our girls. Okay, do you see how that's em- That's empathy, not sympathy or compassion. That's these parents are empathizing with their girls. My girls, oh my gosh, they're growing up in a world (coughs) that says, and and, in a church that says they can't be elders. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're right. They are. Why? Because we live in a world where they can't be fathers. They can be mothers. They can't be fathers. Mm -hmm. Elders. One of the requirements, basically, most of them are, is that they're, they're fathers. They're good fathers. To be an elder is to be a, is to be a father, and so this is how God set things up. And if you over empathize with your girls or with anyone, you lose reality, you lose truth. And then I I told them too. They said, "What do you think we should tell your girls?" And I said, "Well, wh- you should stop lying to them. When you tell them they can be anything they want, you're lying to them. Mm-hmm. They can't be anything they want. They can't be an Olympic sprinter." unless they can be, right? Unless they are an Olympic sprinter. But there's a lot, I'm just saying, there's a lot of things that they can't be. They're limited by their biology. They're limited by reality. So we shouldn't lie to them. But that's exactly what empathy does. <clears throat> um, empathy is untethered from the truth.
1: So I have those definitions for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sympathy is defined as feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune, and then empathy as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another.
0: Okay, so read Sympathy again.
1: Feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortunes.
0: That's so odd. So sympathy is 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 you're having feelings. You can you can you can feel with them, Mm -hmm. right? Oh man, I I feel sorry for them. I pity them. I but empathy is like actually getting in there Mm -hmm. and like you're wanting to have the same level of feelings with this person. Yeah, you know, man, it really is jumping in the quicksand. Mm It really is. You see a drowning person and you can't swim and you jump in too.
2: So what about like when people are um, like you hear some sort of scenario and then immediately you're like, oh, I went through something similar in my life before. And like, well, when I was in this situation and did this thing and this happened, and it's kind of like what you're talking about. Is that like hopping in the quicksand with them too? No, or? that that's
0: actually sympathy. Okay. When you've been through something and you've been through it, right and then you're sharing and so you can feel that where they're at that's sympathy that's what jesus did jesus suffered so he sympathizes with us in our suffering right but he also tells us hold on you can get through this i'm going to get you through this right and don't lose truth don't lose sight of what's right and wrong so for a person let me just say it like this so for a person who's struggling with you know gender confusion the Christian would say, we love you. We're going to suffer with you. We're going to have compassion. We're willing to walk through this with you. We're not going to, you know, um, judge you and kick you out. But we all, and we also believe that biologically you are, whatever it is, a male, right? We're, we want to treat you like a male. And we want, we, we realize you might not feel like a man. We, we understand that, but... This is, you know, and you might, suffer, you might suffer with those feelings for the rest of your life, right? Mm-hmm. But we're going to call you to live your life as a biological man, mm-hmm. right? While suffering and, fe- and feeling, you know, maybe in the wrong body, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, whatever you want to do, just do, and we'll love you no matter what. <clears throat> because if that person begins and I'm just going to say it like this, to mutilate their, their body that the Lord has given them, I don't believe that's glorifying God with their body. And I think that's a sin. Mm-hmm. And so we would be condoning that sin, right? right. And, and then it gets into all kind of weird stuff because if, she, if it's a biological female, and a lot of times biological females, and they feel like they're a man and they're attracted to females, well, honestly, that's homosexuality. I know it's not according to them, but for us, it is. And so we have, to, we have to resist that. We have to hold on to the truth while trying to love this person, mm-hmm. right? So, so I think that's the difference between compassion and sympathy and empathy. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I find this uh, really important for us to start talking about, thinking about, and um, and kind of especially checking our hearts and checking our parenting because I think this is one of the ways that the enemy is trying to steer our children away from the church and away from the truth is saying things like homosexuality is wrong and a sin or God made you a man and, and you should live out that identity as a man. Those things now sound narrow. They sound mean. They sound judgmental. And they, they, it's, it's going against what they believe is a virtue of empathy. And I think we need to be point, pointing to empathy and going, actually, there, this might be a sin that, that should be avoided. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he says this, by elevating empathy over compassion as the superior virtue, there is now an entire culture devoted to the total immersion of empathy books, articles, social media, all trumpet the importance of checking one's own beliefs, values, judgments, and reason at the door of empathy. So don't bring any of your values, don't bring any of your truth, don't bring any of your judgments, don't bring any of your scripture, don't bring any of your God into this. Just give yourself over completely to empathy. To refuse to fully endorse the feelings of the hurting, however blasphemous and false, is to re-victimize them. Maintaining the emotional independence (laughs) necessary to rationally consider someone's good is, quote, unhelpful, heartless, contrary to the spirit of Jesus. These terms can be used to browbeat your man into submission so that he never pauses to consider the true and lasting good of the one in pain or the truthfulness and accuracy of their felt reality. Once untethered from the truth, you'll find that your man is imminently steerable. Things that he would have regarded as foolish, sinful, and ungodly under normal circumstances will sail right along under the banner of empathy. Mm -hmm. Rightly used, empathy is a power tool in the hands of the weak and suffering. By it, we can so weaponize victims that they and those who hide behind them are indulged at every turn without regard for whether such indulgence is wise or prudent or good for them. When you can move your man from the bland but true belief that feelings are important to the false but potent impression that feelings are all that's important, then you know that you have him. Properly conditioned and trained in this way, you will be able to steer him in any direction you choose. Hmm. Well, I think that's, man, I think that's uh, an important observation. Any other thoughts from you guys? No.
2: Uh, It seems like, I'm trying to think of the end goal here of, of empathy because it just seems like it's a domino effect of everyone's life sucking. If yeah. Everybody's empathetic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, <clears throat> it really is the um, kind of, it's like a rush to the bottom of the barrel. It's a rush to, it, it's almost, it, it makes it, it makes suffering into its own virtue but it's not like a redemptive suffering like Jesus does mm-hmm. but it's just you have cultural value to be weird yeah you have cultural value to be marginal you have cultural value to be a minority you have cultural value to be asexual or some we- you know different different thing or or just to be a victim there's cultural value in that and so it's a rush to the bottom and it's, it's going to create, obviously, a victimhood culture that produces really weak people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you abandon truth. You abandon you reality. And so, but, hey, I got to give the devil his due. <clears throat> Interesting tactic, Satan. Interesting tactic. Weaponizing our own compassion, Against us, make us feel so sorry for somebody that we're willing to give up the faith. We're willing to give up the gospel. We're willing to give up the truth, in the in the guise of empathy. So, powerful article. Look it up on the Gospel it or I mean, on Desiring God. Think about it. If you got any questions about it, send it my way, um, Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com dot uh, We love you guys. God bless you. Talk to you soon.